On Facebook, one of the few good things I've seen on Facebook recently, I came across a post from Michael Walsh. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, guys. Always a pleasure to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. The post from Michael was about his book called Last Stands. It's a really interesting book, Why Men Fight When All Is Lost. Now, he's uh, the author of of many books uh, about culture and about Western civilization and about the moves and maneuvers to usurp what works because you can't destroy the nation without destroying institutions, without destroying the norms. That's how you do it. You create a rot that builds and grows. He writes about this in The Devil's Pleasure Palace. He writes about this at The Fiery Angel, uh, in his book, The Fiery Angel, and his, his post was about people misinterpreting the lessons of Last Dance. And he relates it to President Trump and the loss of the 2020 election. Going through a series of uh, pieces of history where losses lead to victories and getting into a conversation, as I have often uh, discussed with you, that idol worship is a very, very bad idea. But the lessons of people who have done things are sometimes extremely important and that other people take them on in order to be able to do better. So we see that, at least I do, as as we watch a cultural rot around the insanity over Roe v. Wade, a cultural rot around the Second uh, Amendment where the state of New York is trying every end around in the world to ensure you can't engage firearms, blaming you, a law-abiding citizen, for what people do in Illinois or anywhere else. That you also have a, a radicalness happening around the idea of cult of personality as opposed to lessons a personality can teach. Michael Walsh joins us uh, right now. You can find his work at thepipeline.org uh, and also his latest book, Against the Great Reset, 18 Theses, Contra the New World Order, a book that he put together and edited. That's available at amazon.com uh, and soon will be available wherever fine books are, are, are sold. Your your argument in Last Stands, I want to start with this and then move into to culture more more generally, Michael. Your argument is, is is that there is something that is to be learned in the stand itself that allows for victory's future, and there seems to be a part of, we'll call, let's just say, the political right, the Republican Party, however you want to say it, that is much less interested in learning lessons and how it moves us forward. Uh, wow, that's a that's a lot to address in a in a in a short blog post and even a short radio interview, Tony. But thank you for having me on. Um, Yes, I expanded that blog post on Facebook uh, into a piece that ran yesterday. It's proving to be as controversial as that blog post. It was my weekly column, which happened to fall on the 4th of July, and it's called Winter and the 4th of July. So for those of us, uh, those of uh, the audience who are encountering the subject for the first time after we talk, they can go on the-pipeline.org and read the post right there, winter and the 4th of July. And it's about 
the, the wrong lessons that I'm seeing that have been learned from last dance. And to put it very simply, I am, as you know, Tony, uh, an advocate that President Trump should not run again in 2024 and that Ron DeSantis should be the candidate, that DeSantis, in my opinion, and I speak as not a never-Trumper. I'm being accused of someone who hated Trump from the beginning, which you know is not true. And uh, again, people can go back to the New York Post and read all the columns I wrote during the Trump campaign, because I, I covered that campaign for the New York Post. They were very favorable to Trump. And in fact, I was one of the two people on planet Earth who predicted that he would win that 2020 election, me and Selena Zito standing alone against the naysayers. But that said, I believe uh, that defeat uh, is is unfortunately final. There will be no Trump restoration. He should not have been, the election should not have been overturned. Uh, it's come out right as bitter a loss as it is. And I understand I'm being called every name in the book this morning, which is a great thing to wake up to. Uh, but I do believe that we have to learn the lesson, which is not you keep fighting uh, and then you lose and your country is destroyed and you're wiped off the face of the earth, as many people uh, have gone down. But you keep fighting smart so you can come back from a defeat. And those citations you mentioned earlier uh, and that I mentioned in the last sentence, the Greeks at Thermopylae, the Romans at Kane, um, the Hungarians at Sigetvar, the U.S. Army after Custer's last stand. In each one of these cases, the Russians at Stalingrad, they won the war. That's the point. They won the war. And for us to win the war against the left, which we must do, and I'm not advocating we don't. I've devoted my entire career to this, 50 years this year, in fact. Uh, we have to fight smart. We have to replace a general when the previous general has lost. And Trump, unfortunately, lost that 2020 election I don't want to hear about 2,000 mules. I don't want to hear about ballots. I don't want to. The Democrats do that every single election in the history of this country. You can go back and read Plunkett of Tammany Hall and learn how they did it in the early 20th century. Uh, what we have to do is fix the laws that were changed because of the COVID hoax, and that's what it was, and restore the norms of our system and be vigilant. Because, yes, will they try to treat? They'll try to treat if your little dog Toto is running for president. They can't help themselves. But I think we need a better general, and that's what I'm advocating. So, but I, I read it, and, and being somebody who has been discussing Trump as we don't need the man, we need the lessons, because I am not yeah. interested in idol worship. Idol worship doesn't move me. I think one of the great examples you give going back uh, 159 years ago to the weekend yeah. was Grant losing the battle at Shiloh, losing almost losing his command, and then to yes. capture Vicksburg. And and so if I was hoping you would just do a little bit of that history lesson about, like, that's a, that's a great example of an unbelievably flawed guy, an unbelievably uh, irritating to a lot of people uh, guy, but was the right person for the right moment as Trump was for 2017 through 21. That's absolutely correct. I, I, uh, Ulysses Grant, I think, is the greatest American who ever lived, and I followed, uh, uh, studied him very carefully, both for that chapter and for the book I'm working on now. To put it in perspective, in April of 1862, the Union was already on its back foot. It had lost uh, at the Battle of Bull Run. It had lost everywhere. 
Grant was a, a, a drunk and a washout from the Army who came back to the Army because they needed every available person they could have. Because he had gone to West Point, because he was a commissioned officer, he, he formed a unit, and he was in the field uh, by early spring of 1862, and he ran into the Confederates under their very best general. I don't want to hear a word about Robert E. Lee, who is the most overrated general in American history. Grant ran into their best general, Albert Sidney Johnston, at Shiloh and got whopped. He got beat from top to bottom on the first day of Shiloh. He and William Tecumseh Sherman, they were surprised by the Confederate attack. They had brushed it off. The Confederates attacked in vast numbers, drove them all the way to the edge of the Tennessee River. I was there a year ago today, in fact, uh, to see that battlefield. And Grant managed to rally. He held, his, he held fast. He counterattacked on day two, which is exactly what he said he was going to do to Sherman, and they drove the Confederates back. Grant almost lost that battle. If he had lost that battle, you'd have never heard of Grant, and you'd never have heard of Sherman. Uh, even though he won it, it was at a terrible cost for the time. No one knew how bloody the Civil War was going to get. Uh, the Northern newspapers howled for his head. The Northern newspapers, like the journalists of today, were always anti-American. Throughout the war, they openly rooted for the South. So Grant, in fact, was relieved of his command for a while and put on ice. We almost lost Grant to Shiloh. And yet, a year later, on July 4th, he captures the southern citadel of Vicksburg, one of the most brilliant military campaigns ever devised. And on the same day, July 4th, the Battle of Gettysburg ends, and George Meade has held off Lee's army, thanks to Lee's incredibly stupid idea of sending his men charging across an open field into the teeth of Union cannon fire, and that's what we know of today's Pickett's charge. So the, the North, which was ready to quit, finally had two great victories. And as I point out, it still took uh, Sherman's capture of Atlanta in the election year of 1864 to make sure that Lincoln won that election. So it was a very near-run thing, but we didn't give up. We won the battle, and we won the war. Talking to Michael Walsh, author and columnist. You can read his columns, uh, the latest, Winter and the Fourth of July, at the pipeline, v-pipeline.org. And you can pre-order Against the Great Reset, 18 Theses Contra the New World Order at Amazon.com. I think one of the examples of learning the lessons and not engaging in idol worship comes from the political left. Because they do a remarkably good job, Michael, of cycling through who their new person up is. You never heard yeah. of Beto O'Rourke. Then Beto O'Rourke was the single most important person in the world going up against Ted Cruz until he lost. And then Stacey Abrams is the single most important person yeah. that you ever heard of. They can move it through. Why can't the right do this? No, it's interesting. They... When their guys get wounded, they just shoot them. They don't even try to pick them up and, and take them to the hospital. Bang, you know, that's, that's the end of it. Uh, but they do prep and they do telegraph. You will recall the election in which John Kerry was nominated for president. Who gave that nominating speech? Somebody you never heard of, Barack Obama. And I looked at that and I saw uh, Obama and I said, this is the guy they will nominate the next presidential election. They do that. Why are we fighting this dead-end battle to do what with Donald Trump? We assuage his ego? He's going to be 78 years old 
at the time of the next election. Isn't one geriatric president who cannot finish the sentence coherently enough? I hate to sound so harsh, but this is a fight, boys and girls, and, and there is no time for sentiment. There's no time for emotion. There's no time for I was robbed. You run a campaign on I was robbed in 24, you're going to lose again. And we have to wake up, and people like you and people like me have to, at the cost of getting a great deal of appropriate sometimes, have to tell our audiences this is the reality of the situation. Face it. And again, at every last hand, they knew what they were doing. They, they knew what the reality was, and they knew if they could just hold them long enough, they would win. Yes, Custer got wiped out, but not all of Custer. The entire 7th Cavalry didn't get wiped out. Most of it fought a brilliant defensive battle against the Sioux after Custer's three uh, platoons were wiped out, uh, up on top of what's now called Reno Hill. And that was a brilliant, brilliant fight back, and it broke the power of the Sioux. They never again gathered that large an army, and that was the end of the Sioux. So they they lost by winning against Custer. It's uh, what the Romans uh, in, who were fighting the Greeks at the time call a Pyrrhic victory, that you win, 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 and eventually you lose. Same thing, Hannibal did the same thing. Eventually, the Romans took a beating at Cannae like nobody ever did. They lost 50 to 75,000 men in one day killed by swords. Can you imagine how long that took and how bloody that was? And yet they ran him to ground a few years later. And that was the end of Hannibal. And that was the beginning of the Roman Empire. So don't give up hope, but look forward. Fight the next battle, not the last one. Before I let you go, the idea of of hope and and looking towards the next battle, um, one of the things that you, uh, a term you coined and that I quote improperly all the time, they never stop, they never sleep, they never quit, is... Is the, is the political left. It's constant and it's consistent. And after seeing the New York uh, Pistol and Rifle uh, uh, Club, their association versus Bruin, uh, the overturning yeah. of Roe v. Wade, the conversation about Maine and, and how you have to uh, be able to provide the dollars that go to students who want to go to religious institutions, the answer is, and the filibuster, which President Biden has come out in favor of, and yeah. as, as a follow-up, pack the courts, which is something they've always believed in. This destruction of the institution Institution. And really the yes. proactive speaking of the institution shouldn't be trusted. It's illegitimate to hell with these people, etc. Uh, this has always been the desire. They're just now, while well, I still have about 60 seconds, Michael, they're sure. just now completely willing to say we want to burn it all down. Well, they, they, you, you saw the, the poster uh, F the fourth that the Democrats came out with yesterday. NPR, for the first time in 30 years, National Propaganda Radio, did not read the Declaration of Independence. They don't like the Declaration of Independence. It's racist. It's mean. It's sexist. It's not equity. It's shut up. These, these people are showing you who they are, and you have to face the fact. They are not your friends. They may be your neighbors, but they are not your friends. Michael Walsh is his name. The book, Against the Great Reset, 
18 Theses Contra the New World Order. Uh, I, I I have my book getting ordered uh, today. There are some of these people who I have uh, had the pleasure of working with who are in this book, like James Polis, who I think is one of the, the great untapped minds or unappreciated minds uh, out there, and the latest columns from Michael Walsh at the pipeline, the-pipeline.org. Michael, it's always a pleasure to have a chance to talk to you. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz.